Good morning, uh, Covenant family. Uh, Merry Christmas. I hope you had a wonderful and food-filled Thanksgiving. I'm glad you joined us this morning to at a watch party, even in your home, uh, for this special, special service. We are actually launching um, our new Advent series, Out of Darkness, today. That's my job uh, as I preach to you guys this morning. Um, you know, we just had Thanksgiving and as we're watching this and... Um, if you don't know, I am a picky eater. Like I, I don't really do vegetables, stuff like that. Y'all all laugh at that and that's fine. Um, but I do love Thanksgiving for two reasons. Like when I think of Thanksgiving, I think of this right here. I think of my mom makes these homemade from scratch yeast rolls that are phenomenal and sausage cheese balls. Like I, I can smell it right now. Just that smell of walking in and that is there. It's been that smell since my childhood. It's, it's those great just holiday memories. Um, but if, if we're honest, we, this is our, our first holidays in the midst of a pandemic. And I was reminded because last Thanksgiving, last year, I, I went and saw my grandmother at the nursing home. And um, she was doing well, and she was vibrant, and she's happy. But this year, it's been a year of loss. This year, we can't go see her in person. It's through a window, and she's not doing well because this pandemic, life, just loss. And the holidays, for a lot of people, are really a sense of loss. And so this is a very joyous time, but also it just can be a very sad time. And this year, especially, as we gather with loved ones during all this and everyone has opinions on everything, on politics, on what should be open, what shouldn't be open. If you should wear masks, you shouldn't wear masks. All these fun holiday topics this year we get to discuss. <laughs> and, um, and even this idea, you know, you see stuff on TV of people or even government officials telling you how many folks should be at your holiday events and how you should do this. And, and it produces, if we're honest, some emotions in all of us uh, that aren't always good. So as I was thinking about starting this this new series and as we're starting Advent and we're coming off Thanksgiving, I was just praying about what God has for us. And this one word just kept coming up. And it's a strange word. It's a word we don't use all the time. But the word is grumbling or grumble. That many times, and it's been, listen, it has been a year to grumble and to be grumblers. But I, I want to say this, and here's my, my thought for today, the title of this sermon even, and it's going to be a bit offensive, is we have no reason to grumble. Let me put it this way. Jesus followers have no reason to grumble. Now, we have reason to mourn. We have reason to cry, but we don't have reason to grumble. Look at Philippians 2. We're going to be in that text um, throughout our time together today. Philippians 2, verse 12 says this. Therefore, my beloved, as you always have obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. He says here, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So as Paul is talking about working out your salvation, look at this next verse. Of all things he could tell us to do, he says this, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Not some things, but do all things without grumbling or disputing. So let me just kind of back us up for a moment. This book, Philippians, was written to the church in Philippi. And here it is. Paul is saying, do not grumble about anything. And Paul, at this moment, he's in jail writing this letter and believes he's going to die in jail for his faith. He is in jail because he preached the gospel, believes he's going to be killed for preaching the gospel, but yet he says, do not grumble. That is humbling for us to hear. This real persecution, real discomfort. He says, do not grumble. But he's writing this letter to a church in Philippi. And these people in Philippi, they're being persecuted for their faith as well. And as they're being persecuted, there becomes this growing frustration with the world and with each other. Because of the persecution, there becomes dissension, different factions within the church. So Paul here is preaching, do not grumble and argue with the world around you and with each other. This is tough, though, for us. And here's why it's tough. We live in a grumbling world. Like, like social media is made for us to grumble. We go, we just grumble and grumble, and it's accepted, and it's right, and it's what we know. It's very American, and it's very natural. But hear this. Ultimately, when we grumble, so say our spouse does something wrong against us, and we grumble against our spouse, or our kids do something wrong against us, and we grumble against our kids, or a coworker, or a boss, or a neighbor, or the government, or anything you can think of that you have, when you feel like a right to grumble against this and grumble, ultimately what you're grumbling against is not those people, it is against God. We're ultimately grumbling against God. And this is Paul's ultimate point here. He's talking to a church who he loves, who he has seen the gospel just do a great work in their life. And they're being persecuted. In the, in the midst of persecution, they're starting to grumble. And he's saying, wait, do not grumble. You have a greater purpose. And as Jesus' followers, people who love and trust God, we, ha we should have this ultimate trust that God knows what he's doing. So here in this passage today, we're going to look at kind of two reasons that we as Jesus' followers should not grumble. Go back to Philippians 2 with me real quick. So we saw here in, we saw in verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We see that word, therefore. Just a, a Bible study hint. When you see the word, therefore, when you see this word, therefore, you just always think, all right, go back and read what was just ahead of this. So we see this word, therefore. So let's go back to Philippians 2, verse 1. He says here, it's a very classic scripture. I love this. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. If you have your Bible there, underline that word mind. We're going to see it again. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. 
but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In Christ, we can have this like-mindedness. Let's keep going. It's about Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is so relevant for us today as we start this Advent season. The season of waiting. The original Advent is this waiting for the Christ to come and be born. But now we wait for the second coming. But as we think about this start of Advent, we look to one thing, the humble newborn king, the humble servant, Jesus who came in the flesh. We come and we celebrate the miracle the miracle of God putting on flesh and coming in the humble form of a human baby. The most frail, unhelpful thing in the world. The ultimate picture of humility. And what Paul is saying here, I know all this is going on around you. I know this. But listen, listen church in Philippi. Covenant Church today, listen to this. Paul is saying, be of the same mind, be of one mind, having this mind. Paul is focused on this church being unified in their mind on one thing, the humble servant of Jesus Christ. This humble servant, we can have this same mind, this like-mindedness about this one thing. We can have this in Christ Jesus, which leads to our first point today, or why we don't grumble. It's this, Jesus followers are servant-minded. Jesus' followers are servant-minded. The renewing of the mind here is, is so, so important. And here's why. Because it's countercultural, especially during this consumeristic season, right? We have taken this season about the humble servant and made it about getting more and more and more stuff to serve and bring comfort to ourselves. See, the world tells us this, to go get yours, to go more, get more, consume more, get this, do this, do that. Be served and be comfortable. Comfortable. But Paul reminds us of this truth right here. Jesus came to serve the world, not to take from it. See, Jesus came to serve, not consume. And now, as Jesus' followers, as being in union with Christ, we have this same mind, this same focus. It's the mind of a servant. And this is where, uh, as I was studying this passage this week and thinking about this and praying about, hear this, it, it can be weird to preach to a camera. But even this afternoon, I, 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 was, I was picturing our church face by face, family by family, name by name, and thinking about, and praying for each person as you're watching even this, this video right now. And, and here's the rub, the tension, the conviction for us this right, right here. Are we servants or are we consumers? We must answer this question. 
And I believe today we, we probably need to repent of a few things as I already have even today. Listen, a consumer mindset will always lead to grumbling. We use this language at our church of a, being a rescue ship and not a cruise ship. You go on a cruise, when we had cruises back in the day, you go on a cruise, you expect certain things, right? To be served, to get this, to get that. On a rescue ship, there's no expectation of that. Servants serve. Consumers grumble. I'll give you an example of this. So in my home, I, I, can, I can literally picture good days and bad days. There are some days when I go home, normally it's when I'm tired or I'm anxious or stressed or worried. I'm sure you can relate to this as well. And I want to go home and I either I want to be left alone, but ultimately I want to be served. I want my kids and my wife to treat me and to leave me alone, to bring me food, to let me do what I want to do. And I'll tell you, when I go on that kind of posture, that kind of mindset, it always leads to what? Grumbling, frustration. Those kind of things. But when I go into my home full of the Spirit of God, ready to serve and love my wife, ready to lay down my life for my kids and not just get through kid time, when I go with the posture of a servant, there's joy. Because being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God residing inside of me, I am made now to be a servant and not a consumer. But see, Paul realizes this one thing right here. It's easy for us to forget this. It's easy for us to drift into a consumer mindset. Look at verse 16 in Philippians 2. This one little phrase is just stay with me all week long. He says this right here. Holding fast to the word of life. To not be grumblers, friends, we have to hold fast. We have to hold tightly so much the word of life, which is just a synonym for really the gospel. We have to, with every fiber in our bones, hold tight, be centered around the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul gives this image here of holding on as tight as you can and not letting go. You ever been on a roller coaster before and you're just, you're so scared. You, you, you hold on so tight. We must learn to hold on so tight to the gospel. We, we can't let go. The word of life, the gospel, it must be central, which leads to our next reason that Jesus followers do not grumble. Jesus followers are gospel centered. And we use that language a lot around here, gospel centered. What that really means this right here is there is nothing else. There's all these competing things to center your life around. Your job, people, money, stuff. And many times we go through these things and churn through these things and we realize they don't satisfy. They just lead to more grumbling, right? But one thing can kind of provide life for us, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tim Keller says it this way. I love this. If Jesus didn't complain when he received a life infinitely worse than he deserved, how can I complain when I experience a life infinitely better than I deserve? In light of the gospel, in light of my forgiveness, how can I possibly grumble and complain? It's hard to grumble when you're holding tight to grace, right? It's hard to grumble when that unmerited favor is washed over you. Paul shows us in verse 13 in chapter 2. He says here, For it is God 
who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. There is great power in holding on tightly to the gospel. God works in us and through us and produces, honestly, the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. All the things that we're really seeking after of what we want, it's only found through being centered on the gospel. What this really is, Paul's reminding the church in Philippi and us today is just really a theology of worship. It's, 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 we see this in the Old Testament, fearing God. Seek his kingdom first. Abide in Christ. Beholding Christ. All these things are really ways of saying the same thing, really, of having union with Christ. What he accomplished on the Christ, by faith through grace, we can receive Christ and be centered on the good news of Jesus. So the key for us to hold tight to this thing, to the, to the real life, the true life, the gospel, and hold loosely the things of the world. But for many of us, we have that backwards, don't we? And I think this, this holiday season, this Christmas season, just reveals that. All the anxiety, all the stress, all the pressure, all this stuff, that's us holding tightly to the things of the world and not to the gospel. You know what makes me really grumble? I'm just going to be confessed to you guys this morning. It's when I'm uncomfortable. Like when I don't have ultimate comfort, you see a very bad side of me. I'm sorry, Tracy. I'm sorry, kids. And for me, I just as I was thinking about this, there's just one time in particular I think about. So we have our daughter, Hattie Jane. We adopted her from China almost four years ago, which is kind of crazy to think about. And we had to go to China to get her, obviously. And if you don't know me, uh, I am not a very adventurous person. Like some folks, you know, I think like Matt and Jamie East, they like, go, go overseas. It's great. They love it. No big deal. For me, this is a huge deal. Like I, I, I don't travel well, all these things. And I was in this foreign country having to eat really, really strange food. Did not like it. It was not fun. It was awful. All these things on, on weird planes, very uncomfortable, not in my bed. We missed our boys tremendously. We were just in mourning the entire time. And it was so easy for me to grumble. I mean, I was just, I could just go there so quickly. But we were blessed to have a godly pediatrician who also had adopted from China herself. And she gave us a piece of advice. She said, you need to find something, a worship song, scripture, something to center your mind and your heart around the things of God while you're there and to keep coming back to it over and over and over again. And for me, it was this one worship song. Uh, we sing it at Covenant sometimes, King of My Heart. And the chorus goes, you are good, you are good, you are good. And I remember so vividly being in a hotel room thousands of miles away from, my, from our life, our home, our two boys. And I would be so frustrated. I'd be in fear. I'd be anxious and I'd want to grumble. But I was centering my heart around something greater. And I was just worshiping God and crying out to him that you are good. And as I did that, the frustrations, the anger, the anxiety, they melted away in light of God's goodness. Hear this. It's hard to grumble when you're worshiping. It's hard to grumble when you're worshiping a transcendent God. 
And listen, I, I know some of you watching this video are going through much harder times than being in China for three weeks. I'm well aware of that. I don't want to make life anybody's pain. But hear this. If we truly seek and worship and hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's going to let loose so many things. It's impossible to grumble when you're truly worshiping a transcendent God. And that's why we don't grumble. We don't grumble because we have this servant mindset found in Christ, and we don't grumble because we're centered on the gospel. These are the things preventing us from grumbling and leading us to a new life. But I want to end our time uh, this morning looking at why we don't grumble. And we're going to get to the heart of what Paul's really talking about here in Philippians 2. What his thoughts are, what he's trying to have his people see here. Look at uh, verse 14. Go back to our original verse. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Here is the why that Paul is after in this passage. It's two things. As we see all of Philippians to this picture of humility, he is calling us to be like Christ and Christ humility. And he's calling the church to be unified above everything else. Humility and unity. And grumbling is the opposite of both those things, isn't it? When we grumble, it's really us saying somebody should be serving us. And there can be no unity in the midst of grumbling. So God is calling, Paul is calling his people to humility and to unity. For the purpose, hear this, for the purpose of being light. Because when we grumble like the rest of the world, we look like the rest of the world. We're darkness in the midst of darkness, not light in the midst of darkness. Paul used these words here, blameless and innocent, that the church of Jesus Christ should be blameless and innocent, as opposed to the crooked world. Suppose the crooked world, so that we can be light. Paul says here, look at this. He says it here in verse... Um, 17, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon this sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad. He's saying here, even if he dies for this, he is glad and rejoices with you all. Listen, your life is worth giving to this light, to being the light of Jesus. Which leads to really our last point. That we, the church, we must be light in a dark world. We must be light in a dark world. So as me and Luke and our, our team's been praying about even this Advent series, we had this just title for this series come up, Out of Darkness. John 1.5 says this, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 2020 has been a dark year. It's been a dark year. 
There is darkness and dissension all around us. But hear this, the unstained light of God's gospel and God's church must still shine through. We must be kingdom people concerned with kingdom pursuits. Listen, kingdom people, people focused on seeing the light shine forth, they're too busy with eternal things to be in dissension and grumbling about temporal things. Does that make sense? Kingdom people have this focused on something much greater, much bigger. See this in Paul's life right here, right? He doesn't care about dying at all. His concern is the light of the gospel going forth through God's church. If he dies, he dies. But for many of us, as I was praying today about this text, we are way too concerned with temporal things. And listen, many of us, we're just bored. We're bored building temporal kingdoms. We're bored building bigger barns. We've done it for too long. We've gotten good at it, but we're, we're bored. And then we start just playing with other sins to see if they'll fulfill. And you're coming up dry every single time. Because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is pushing you, empowering you, convicting you to be light, to give your life to something greater and much more, to, to change the world. Church, do we get that? We are ambassadors for the king of the universe. And God has sent his Holy Spirit to empower the church to literally change the world. But we settle for building bigger barns. And I think this is partially because we don't see how our humble efforts, how our little efforts can actually change the world. Look at Matthew 17 with me very quickly. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 20 says this. He said to them, Because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Hear this, church. The small faith, the unseen faithfulness. See that person that's just always there, pressing into others, loving Christ, pressing into others, loving Christ. The small gift that no one sees that might feel insignificant, those small, little, unseen things. God can use in ways that we cannot imagine, church. Our little faith, our little faithfulness, our little gifts, God uses to do great kingdom work. As we enter into this, this Advent season, and as a church, it's always so exciting to think about our, our Christmas missions offering. This is the official launch of all that this week. We're focused on the hub, this one of our great mission partners. And I think back to when we first started. It's been almost 10 years now, and our very first Christmas missions offering. Um, listen, we're not a lot now. We're not. But we had no clue back then. Trust me. We had no clue at all. It was a very small offering we were trying to collect. And I think we just had really one focus is with our friends in Southeast Asia, we wanted to help them purchase and develop a device that translated the New Testament into their language into audio devices that were solar-powered that people could walk around and listen to the words of Jesus. 
And it happened. We raised the money. We sent it off. They got the stuff and they put it in the hands of people. And church, I kid you not, I guess two weeks ago, I'm online on Facebook. And I will tell you right now in Southeast Asia, our friends and missionaries are seeing a harvest. Great fruit happening in front of their eyes. And I read this story about because of COVID, they couldn't gather in any kind of way. But they did. They had this. They had pockets of people with these devices that we bought with a small offering 10 years ago, taking this little device, solar-powered, and using it to reach their neighbors and their family with the gospel. Church, that is incredible how God uses the small, the unseen, to do an amazing kingdom work. Our God is good. Our lives are meant for so much more. And here's the shift I'm praying for this morning in my heart and hopefully your heart as well. It's this shift from, how do I say this? From grumbling because what happens is when we grumble, it's a sign of a greater thing, that we're really being consumers that want to be served. And we're not, we don't have that mind of Jesus or that gospel centrality. That we go from grumblers to joy. Like to real joy. Joy in the midst of whatever's happening around us. The world could be on fire, but the church of Jesus Christ is still full of the joy of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't end there. Because it's not this fake happiness that's oblivious to the things of the world. We go from grumbling to joy to brokenness. To where we do see the, the things in the world that break our hearts. The things that break the heart of God. And you think about this brokenness. We're not oblivious to these things, but we're aware there are dark things in this world. And the people of Jesus Christ should be broken for those things. Because when we see the darkness, we should bring the light. Not just grumble about the darkness. We must be the light in the midst of darkness. So here's my challenge. As we enter into Advent and the Christmas season, may our focus not be on the temporal, on the temporary, on the things of this world, but on the eternal and what God can do when a few faithful people in God's church come together and commit to being light in the midst of darkness. Can you imagine what that could look like if we're to conspire together to make this Christmas season not about temporary things that in three months are forgotten about, but are about eternal kingdom-focused things? So as we wrap up today, as you're in an MC watching other people, or you might be at your house with your family, I don't know where you're at, I want to encourage you to two things we dismissed today. Here's the first. I want you to discuss, and I want you to pray. I've got two questions for you to discuss, and two things to pray about. First is right here. What is one thing that distracts you from having a kingdom focus? With your group, with your family, what is one thing that's distracting you from having a kingdom focus? Second thing, what is one step you can take this week to move towards a kingdom focus? Setting an alarm earlier or taking your lunch break or going and serve somewhere. How can you take a step this week to have a kingdom focus? And then last thing, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for people and our mission partners. Pray for the people in your life who are far away from God, 
who are hurting and living in the midst of darkness. And second, pray for our mission partners. As we enter this season, as they're dependent upon our church to come through for them, our partners at the hub, our church planters, our missionaries in Asia, and our families that are adopting and fostering kids, that we can be a church that is light and encouragement to them. Let's pray. Thank you for this, for this day. Thank you for the gift of the church. Lord, bless the people watching this video, Father. Lead us to be people of light in the midst of darkness. Move in our hearts. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.